0: There's a battle going on for the souls of men, the taste of war is ever dear, but I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride, she is the keeper of my soul, she is the church of Christ, I'll not surrender.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. This gospel message will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian clothed with the armor of a gospel defender. Ladies and gentlemen, this will be a bloody message, and it is bloody important. The word blood, or some form of that word, appears some 457 times in the Old and New Testaments. Sometimes the word refers to the blood of animals. At other times it refers to the blood of men and women, and even children. The first time blood is mentioned is in Genesis 4, verse 10. This is to be expected since the book of Genesis is a book of verse. The occasion for Genesis recording this word for the first time was the episode of Abel killing his brother Cain. It is recorded in Genesis 4, verse 8 that it came to pass When they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Cain killed his brother because of all things the offering Abel gave to the Lord. No one was around to see what Cain did but God. He saw it. In verse 10, God asked Cain, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Jesus believed this record of Moses written in Genesis. Among his scathing rebukes of the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 23, Jesus said in verses 34 and 35, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah. Jesus said Abel was righteous in doing what he did. If Genesis chapter 4 is a part of the first 11 mythological chapters of that book, as some would try to persuade us to believe, Jesus was duped. He believed something that never happened. And if Jesus was duped, he was not God incarnate. And if he was not God incarnate, all of us may as well burn our Bibles, go home, and go to hell with the skeptics and deniers of Scripture. After thousands of years had passed, the writer of the book of Hebrews recalled in Hebrews 11 verse 4, the sacrifices righteous Abel made and the blood he spilled for honoring his creator. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Money may talk, but the blood of Jesus speaks louder and longer. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Abel's blood speaks, but the blood of Jesus of Nazareth, the only begotten Son of God, speaks better things than that of Abel. It speaks powerful words of salvation from sins. The ninth chapter of Hebrews is a chapter that speaks of the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 9, verse 12, with his own blood he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Hebrews 9, verse 14, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hebrews 9, verse 22, Without shedding of blood there is no remission. It is because of the power of Christ's blood to forgive sin and redeem men that Satan despises that blood. Ungodly men have tried to remove the blood of Jesus from hymns sung by the Church and even from translations of God's Word read by the Church. It is written in Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14, He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. Certain translations have deleted that prepositional phrase through his blood, from the text, with a footnote at the bottom of the page telling us that these words are missing from some manuscripts. But let us not forget, these words are included in other manuscripts. Beware that you do not let higher criticism and scholarship persuade you that the Bibles we have read, studied, and followed for centuries are suddenly in error, have become obsolete, and need to be updated. A man who does not believe either Mark 16.16 or Acts 2.38 has something to do with salvation from sin, may not be a scholar. Two doctrines of the church are saturated with the blood of Christ. Satan and his ministers trivialize and minimize the importance of both doctrines. When they are able to persuade others to do the same thing, they have won the battle for the soul of that person who believes their damning doctrine. The two doctrines of which I speak are baptism in water in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and the Lord's Supper. We receive the merits of the blood of Christ at the time of our immersion, and we stay in and under His blood when we answer His invitation to commune with Him at His table. The last thing the devil wants anyone to do is to be cleansed and stay cleansed by the sinless blood of Christ. Ministers of Satan who labor in denominationalism do not deny that either one of these doctrines is in the Bible and thus far have not been able to erase either from God's Word, at least not from its printed pages. Their messages coming from their pulpits are another story. They tell their congregation, These doctrines are in your Bible, but don't take them seriously. Neither being baptized nor observing the Lord's Supper on the first day of the week has a thing to do with a person being right with God. We addressed immersion in water in our previous message. We now give attention to the Lord's Supper. The devil and his ministers have been very good persuading their people to believe that denominationalism believes in the Lord's Supper. They even have props to convince people of this. The table itself is their main prop. When is the last time you have been in a denominational church building and not seen the Lord's Supper table in the front of the auditorium, either in front of the pulpit or sitting on the main stage? These tables even have the words of Jesus inscribed on them. Do this in remembrance of me. But they seldom remember him at his table, except at Easter and Christmas. Ministers of Satan preach an opinionated message regarding the supper. They tell their people that observing the Lord's Supper every first day of the week causes the supper to become too routine, The Supper loses its significance when it is observed this frequently. A quarterly or semi-annual or even an annual Lord's Supper will increase its dignity, its importance, its significance. To those who know little or nothing about the Word of God or the practice of the first century church, all this sounds reasonable. After all, we don't observe our birthdays or anniversaries or holidays every week. If we did, they would not be as important to us as they are when they are celebrated only once each year. But ladies and gentlemen, birthdays, anniversaries, and holidays are insignificant when compared to the Lord shedding His blood on the cross for the sins of humanity. Satan's ministers have made a lot of hay with the too-routine argument. A denominational man asked me one time why the New Testament church that Jesus built observes this supper every Sunday. I thanked him for his question and was anxious to teach him. When I finished, he said, "'Nobody in our church ever taught any of this stuff. "'I see where you're coming from. It makes sense to me.'" When I asked him what he was going to do about it, he said, I'm going to talk to the pastor about it. I knew right there and then that this man was going to forget everything I taught him from the only book of authority we have concerning the Lord's Supper, the Bible. And sure enough, he did. The next time I saw the man, I asked him if he had talked to his pastor about what we had talked about. And he said, Well, the pastor said what you told me was right, but if the congregation did it every Sunday, the Lord's Supper would become too too common. So he didn't think it was a good idea for us to start. How about that one, ladies and gentlemen? A denominational pastor agrees with what the Bible says about the Lord's Supper, but refuses to follow what the Bible says. The Bible was overruled on the grounds that to do what it said to do would make the supper too common. That pastor is a minister of Satan. Another man who talked to me about the Lord's Supper had exactly the opposite view. He said, Preacher Rick, the Lord's Supper is as essential for salvation for the Christian as baptism is for the lost sinner. Without observing it, you cannot be saved. There are those in the fold of Satan's ministers, and even some in the fold of Christ's church, who would write off that man as a heretic. Even so, put my name next to his. If the blood of Jesus Christ is essential to receive salvation— And it is. Then the Lord's Supper is also essential. And if not, why not? In John 6, verses 53 and 54, Jesus said to those assembled with him by the Sea of Galilee, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. If words have meaning, Jesus said eating his flesh and drinking his blood is necessary to receive eternal life. If you are curious to know where and when this is done, stand by. There are those who tell us John 6 verses 53 and 54 has nothing to do with the Lord's Supper that is to be observed by the church today. There are books on my bookshelves authored by recognized theologians who unashamedly and unequivocally agree. In spite of their respected academic standing in theological circles, I do not agree with them for one minute any more than I do when they say John 3, verses 3 through 5 has nothing to do with baptism in water. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper on the night of his betrayal, It is written in Matthew 26, verse 26. As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. In verse 27 it is written, Then he took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. In John 6, Jesus said, Unless his disciples eat his flesh and drink his blood, they have no life in them. In Matthew 26, Jesus said, The bread was his body, and the cup was his blood. You tell me, ladies and gentlemen, was Jesus talking about the Lord's Supper in John 6? And did he say it is necessary to receive eternal life? If that is not what he meant to say, you tell me what he did mean to say. I do not believe for one microsecond that anyone is able to eat the literal flesh of Jesus or to drink his literal blood. Anyone who believes they can, or do, or have, has had part of his brain removed. There is a religious institution filled with people who have evidently had that operation. If Jesus said in John 6 verses 53 and 54, what he meant to say, Why is it that the great majority of religious assemblies gathered to worship him each Lord's day? Do not observe on that day the supper he instituted on the night he was betrayed. Most religious assemblies profess to believe in the importance of Christ's blood for salvation. Yet on most Lord's days that are the first day of the week, Sunday, the Lord's Supper is never observed. There is a table before the people with a scripture inscribed on the front of the table covered with dust, but has neither the unleavened bread nor the unfermented cup setting on it. That cup, ladies and gentlemen, is a visual reminder of the price paid for the Christian salvation. Jesus said it was his blood, not a representation or symbol or emblem of his blood, but his blood. Jesus said that, not me. I have no problem with calling the cup what Jesus called it. I am in no position and have no authority to question the words of Christ. The importance of the weekly observance of the supper is evident in the 20th chapter of Acts. On Paul's final missionary journey, he and his evangelistic team joined seven other great men of the faith in the city of Troas, And stayed there until the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread to observe the Lord's Supper. The Bible by itself establishes the importance of and the necessity to observe His Supper every week of the year. As one writer has suggested, you may not be able to sing, you may not be able to preach or teach, you may not be able to pray. But every child of God is able to commune with his or her Lord. It is only Satan and his ministers who would persuade anyone to think they can't or they have no need to do so. Why are his blood and body ignored in the worship assemblies of religious institutions? Do they not know Acts 2 verse 42? Following the preaching of Apostle Peter on the day of Pentecost, It is written, those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Most religious assemblies ignore the weekly breaking of bread because of doctrinal ignorance. With others, it is ignored because some minister of Satan has convinced that religious group that to observe it each Lord's day would make the supper become irrelevant. This is strange concerning this same reasoning does not stop religious groups from receiving an offering each Lord's day. If the Lord's Supper becomes too routine by observing it each Lord's day, why isn't this also true of receiving the offering each Lord's day? Methinks ministers of Satan have more concern about receiving money from their congregants than they have concern for worshiping God Almighty in spirit and truth by remembering his son at his son's table. Oh, consistency, thou art... A Jewel Apostle Paul wrote two epistles to the church in Corinth. Those familiar with these epistles know that local church was about as mixed up and messed up as a congregation could be concerning the Lord's Supper. Among the things Paul said to this congregation in his first epistle was this in chapter 11, verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. It is at the table of the Lord that all his people, not just the preacher, preach the gospel truth that Jesus died for the sins of men. It was in his death he gave his blood, and it is at his holy sacred table that his blood is remembered. If Satan had his way, the table would be removed by his ministers. And it has been in some buildings in which the saints of God meet. It has been moved to a back room, out of sight, not to offend or embarrass anyone who happens to wander into the assembly and not know what to do when the supper is observed. Satan and his ministers have tried for almost 2,000 years to erase from the face of the earth the Lord's church and his table on which sits his blood that purchased his people, his church, his kingdom. But ladies and gentlemen, it will never happen. Hell will freeze over first.
0: There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is there. in the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul, she is the church of Christ, I'll not surrender.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Wright and Boss speaking. You have just heard another Gospel Defender Ministries radio broadcast, brought to you by the church that Jesus built and preaches all of the word to all of the world. Jesus said in Mark 16, verse 16, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. So find someone today who will immerse you into Christ today before it is everlastingly too late. Our mailing address is Gospel Defender Ministries, Post Office Box 575 Chillicothe, C-H-I-L-L-I-C-O-T-H-E, Chillicothe, Ohio, Zip, 45601. You can also contact us through the World Wide Web at gospel-defender.org or by email at Agostef, agosdef, A-G-O-S-D-E-F, at roadrunner.com. At your request, a written transcript or an audio copy of today's message will be sent to you free of charge with no obligation from you now or in the future. We need to hear from you as soon as possible, so please take the time to contact us today. Now, until you and I meet again at this same time and at this same place, our prayer is that you will be steadfastly set for the defense of the gospel.